I think for me, the, this group has changed my life. I remember when I heard it was at 6 a.m., I was like, I don't know about that. I don't know if I want to do that. You know, now I like look forward to it. Yeah, I didn't know what to expect. Coming in, you're like all these, you feel like you're going to go in there and everybody's going to be so well-versed in the book, but you get in here and everybody's just trying to learn and get better with each other. Iron sharpens iron, and that's, that's really what it's all about. Anytime you do something new, there's always a little bit of a fear. Like, are you going to fit in? Is it going to work out? But it just meshed super quick. I feel like we've helped each other grow in several ways. Even the group texts that we have just to tell each other our, our troubles and our weaknesses and what we're scared of or how to inspire right. each other. To be able to have that kind of encouragement that is just all in encouragement, it's really great to have. And it was something I was seeking. Taking that step towards the, the group was very rewarding. Our week's not the same if we don't get here. No. Yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. it's just wrong. If something feels empty if you don't get here. Yeah. It's like forgetting yeah. your deodorant. <laughs> <laughs>
of the message and talk for a moment about, um, about what we've got coming up in February. In February, we've got something called Awaken. Every February, we take the month of February and we devote it to prayer and to fasting together. So we take February and we, we pray and we fast. We join together with other churches across the city and we, uh, we, we fast and pray together, asking God that he would awaken us, that he would awaken our hearts, that he would pour out his spirit in our homes, our families, and that he would move in our city. And, uh, and so we, we want to invite you to be a part of uh, this uh, Awaken coming up next month. And our theme is fullness, and our prayer is that you'd experience the fullness of God. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. Uh, so full, yes. And so Jesus said, I want you to have full life. But the thing that I've discovered over time is that, uh, that we don't find the full life by um, cramming more stuff in, by adding more things uh, to our lives. We actually experience the fullness of God when we make room for him. And, uh, and so making room for God is something that fasting does. And fasting is giving up something that we want, namely food, for something that we want more, namely God. And so it's making space for God through, um, through abstaining from food. In fact, if you've never fasted before, we've put together a fasting guide for you that you can go and you can, uh, you can find out more. And in that fasting guide, what you're, what you're, you'll find the details of, uh, of how to do this. And so um, the first thing I'd encourage you is you get out the month of February, you get out the calendar, and that you'd pick a day or pick some days or pick a week or perhaps the whole month, that, the days that you'll be fasting with us. And then I encourage you to, uh, to pick a fast, a type of fast. Now, in the fasting guide, you got like a juice fast, you got sun up, sun down fast, there's a Daniel fast. There are a lot of different kinds of fasts that you can um, that you can choose, but pick a fast, and then um, and and there may be maybe some who because of health reasons or maybe you struggle with an eating disorder and fasting abstaining from food is not the best fast for you right now. Well, we've got other options that would be available. You'll read about in the fasting guide. You can fast from screens or fast from social media. So there are other things that we can fast, and then we take that time that we've made room and we've made space, and we devote that time to to prayer and to worship and to uh, meeting God in His Word and in the scriptures. And we're going to read through the book of Acts in the month of February. The way it's going to work out, we're going to read one chapter a day throughout. We've got a study guide on, uh, on our site. We've got a study guide that you can follow along. And then there are going to be questions and prompts, prayer prompts for you, family discussion questions so that you can go through the book of Acts. It's, it's the fifth book in the New Testament. It tells the story of the early church. It's a great read. And so you can read through one chapter a day, and then we'll work through that book together. And then we'll finish the month together with an awakened worship night. And so that's actually, I'm going to make sure I get the date right, because that matters. I want you to get it on the calendar. Um, we're going to have awakened worship night on February 29th. It's going to be at 6.30 p.m., and uh, we'll complete the month together. We'll finish off our time of fasting, probably with some food trucks or, uh, or some Krispy Kreme donuts. Nothing like breaking a fast, a month-long fast with Krispy Kreme. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm excited about what God, always excited about what God does in the month. So, and now one more thing I would just encourage you is during the month of February to, uh, to show up to the gathering, to show up to worship. There's something that happens when, when, when corporate hunger for God increases our experience of God increases as well. So when we're hungry for God together, when we're desperate for God, when we're seeking him together, we, we see God move in powerful ways, encounters with him, um, miracles. We see people um, experience life change and breakthrough. And so those things that we'll be seeking God for, praying for over the month of February and the weekends are special. And so if you're, if you're traveling, you can always join us online, but I'd love for you to join us throughout the month of February in the rooms as we... Um, 
as we enter into Awakening Together. So that begins, um, that begins in two weeks, and uh, I just want to give you that information so you can get it on the calendar. But today, we're, we're in the series Here and Now, and in Here and Now, we're talking about how our lives have purpose, that God created us on purpose and for a purpose, and that there's a race for us to run. There is a race that God has for you to run, and, uh, and we're talking about how there are different things that tangle us up when we run a race and things that take us out. The first week, we talked about distraction and devices, Second week, we talked, about, um, we talked about comparison and envy. This week, we're going to talk about um, problems and pain. Problems and pain. Does anybody have any problems? Don't point. Don't point. No, you do. Now it's not the time. But like, does anybody have any, anybody have any problems this week? Anybody having problems getting to church today? Does anybody have any problems in life? We all have problems. Like, we all have problems. Problems are a way of life. Did you know Jesus promised that we'd have problems? You know, some people say, when you become a follower of Jesus, when you become a Christian, you don't have problems. That's, that's, they are lying to you. Because Jesus promised that we would have problems. He said, in this world, he said, I'm telling you, telling you these things. This is the last conversation he had with the disciples in the upper room. He said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. In this world you will have problems, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So Jesus is telling his steps, he's promising, he's saying, I'm promising you're going to have problems, but I'm also promising you a peace that is greater than your problems. I'm, I'm, I'm promising you that I'm bringing you a peace that's greater than your problems. And Jesus promises that we'll prevail. He promises that we will overcome in him and that he has given us the spirit of an overcomer. But there's something about the problems and the pain that goes along with problems, something about the problems that just cause us to forget about the peace, to forget about his presence, to forget about that the kingdom of God is right here, right now, we can forget. I was talking with my daughter, Raleigh, back in, uh, back in December, and we were talking about something. And, and, uh, and while we're talking, she didn't know it, but I was solving a problem at work. And so I'm solving a problem in my head while she's talking to me, while I'm talking to her. I'm multitasking. I'm doing great at this. I'm solving problems, and I'm talking to my daughter at the same time. Well, she realized that I was not fully there. You ever been talking to somebody, you know they're not fully there? And she said, and I was distracted because I was solving problems while I'm talking to my daughter. And she said, Dad, she said, I need you locked in right now. I love that. Like, I love that she just called me out. She's like, I just need you. I need you locked in. So here's what I'll tell you. I know you have problems. We all have problems. But that we would be locked in together today because I believe that God has a word for you. And so we're going we're gonna to lock in together. I believe that God has peace for you today in the midst of your problems, in the midst of your pain, because life means we're going to experience problems. We're going to have problems in life, and we're going to have problems in leadership. If, you, if you're leading anything, you need to know you're going you're gonna to face problems. Problems come with leadership, whether you're a parent or a teacher or a coach or you're in business or ministry or you're leading a small group, or maybe leading a team at work or leading a department, leading a nonprofit or just leading yourself. <laughs> no matter what you're leading in life, leadership means that you're going to experience problems. And if you experience problems, you're going to experience pain. Sam Chand wrote a book called Leadership Pain, and I'd recommend it. And in that book, he talks about this and he says, growth equals change. Change equals loss, loss equals pain, so inevitably, growth equals pain. He said, if you're not hurting, you aren't leading. Leadership means that we're going to experience pain in life because we all experience problems. John Wimber said this, he said, never follow a leader without a limp. 
Jacob wrestled with God and he had a limp for the rest of his life. If you've led long enough, you know what it is to experience the pain of crisis and complexity and betrayal and loneliness and weariness. Sometimes leadership feels like running a race. Other times it feels like limping to the finish line. Leadership means we're going to experience problems. Problems mean that we're going to experience pain. Passion is what fuels us. Dr. Chip Dodd said this. He said, passion is a willingness to endure pain for the thing that matters more than pain. Passion is a willingness to endure pain for the thing that matters more than pain. Passion is what keeps you going. Pain is what makes you want to ring the bell. You know what I'm talking about? The Navy um, recruits who want to be Navy SEALs, they endure one of the most difficult, intense, painful processes, selection process. If you want to be a Navy SEAL, it doesn't happen through lottery. It happens through something called Hell Week. And Hell Week is designed um, to be intensely difficult. I mean, they throw everything at these recruits. They carry logs. They carry rafts. They tread water, long-distance swims in the ocean, near hypothermia. They crawl through through sand, extensive PT on the beach. They're deprived of sleep, hungry, tired, exhausted, driven to the breaking point emotionally, mentally, physically. And the entire time that they're in this process, there's a bell that's within eyesight. It's a bell within eyesight, and all they have to do if they want to quit, if they want out, is just go ring the bell. And if they ring the bell, they go from the process to being in sweatpants, having a warm meal, having a hot shower. They go through the pain and the suffering to a sofa somewhere if they ring the bell. And you know, I, was, I was thinking about this. Um, two-thirds of the recruits who begin don't make it. They ring the bell. I was pondering this question. Have you ever wanted to ring the bell? Like, have you ever wanted to, wanted to ring the bell and just, just give up? Maybe in a relationship or, or assignment, something God had called you to do, or, or maybe in, in hope, or maybe on somebody. You want to give up in marriage, or give up in family, or in business, or in career, or just waiting on the Lord, just take matters into your own hands. Have you ever wanted to give in? You ever want to give in to addiction or give in to a toxic relationship? Maybe there was somebody that to just text them just because you're lonely, but you know, like, oh, I'm the, you ever want to give in or give in to destructive patterns or give in to coping mechanisms or give in to things to, to try to escape the pain? You ever want to give in? You ever want to give up? Maybe you keep going on the outside, but on the inside, like you've given up, or just doing the minimum, just um, quiet quitting, just doing the minimum it takes to, to get by. Have you ever wanted to give up? Have you ever wanted to give in? Have you ever wanted to ring the bell? Here's the thing we all have. Because anytime we've done anything that matters, there's the temptation to quit. When we grow weary and when we begin to lose heart, there's the temptation to quit. And this is why we have the book of Hebrews. This is why it's given to us. Remember, the book of Hebrews was written to the early church, to the church there in Jerusalem, where where these early 
Um, Christians, these Jewish Christians had, had begun to follow Jesus and, and they were facing persecution and the temptation was to ring the bell, to give up, to go back to, to their old life, to go back to their old ways. And this is a word of encouragement to them to, to, keep, to keep going. So we're gonna go back through and we're gonna read Hebrews chapter 12. Look at these first three verses, then dig a little further in them together. Pick up in verse one, Hebrews 12, verse one. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such, a great cloud of, by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This passage is given to them, say to these believers, saying, just keep going, keep running, don't give up. And look what he says, he says, let us run with perseverance. He's saying, don't run alone. He said, run with others, but let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. And this word, perseverance, if you're taking notes, you can just underline that in your Bible, that word perseverance. This word shows up in some other passages. Let me just highlight these in, in, in the New Testament. Romans 5, 3, it says, we also glory in our sufferings because they, we know that suffering produces perseverance. Colossians 1.11 says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience. Hebrews 10.36 says, you need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you'll receive what he has promised. That word that's translated as, as, as perseverance it's also translated as patience. It's also translated as endurance. My favorite translation is, is two words, this, this phrase, patient endurance. That that's what God wants to form in us, that he wants us to run the race that he's called us to with patient endurance. Now, oftentimes when we think of, of patience, we think of something passive, like just, 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 just waiting, just sitting and waiting, like waiting for the light to turn red or waiting for the snow and ice to melt. Like we think of passive waiting. But this idea, this patient endurance, is not a passive wait, it's an active waiting. It's, it's moving forward. It's like a marathon runner moving forward, an endurance race runner moving forward with the grit and the determination. I'm going to get to the finish line. And God wants to form that patient endurance in us to keep going because the Christian life is not a sprint. It's an endurance race. It's an endurance race. Man, one of the craziest endurance races you've probably never heard of happens in Franklin, right outside of Franklin every year. It's called the Mid-State Mile. The Mid-State Mile. And the Mid-State Mile, there was a documentary about this called Just One Mile. It's, it's, it's crazy. But here's what happens. Um, it is a one-mile track through the woods on a farm. And so it's a loop. It's one mile. It has a 50% incline. That's 340 feet of elevation gain and you have 20 minutes to complete the loop. If you get back in 16 minutes, you get to rest for four minutes. But after 20 minutes, you go again, and you go again, and you go, it's a last man standing type event. Now, you run until there's one person left. This past year, this man, Chad Wright, how would you like to run against that guy? Chad Wright, <laughs> he's a retired Navy SEAL, he won the race. Get this, he ran 122 miles over 38 hours. If you're doing math, that's 75,000 feet of elevation change. 
It's like climbing Mount Everest two times. There's no prize money, no reward at that. Well, there's one tangible reward, and the winner of the race gets a quilt that was made by the race organizer's mom. <laughs> that's, the, that's the reward. Here you go. Why would somebody run a race like that? You ask, I ask. For a sermon illustration. <laughs> on, on perseverance, that's the only reason I can think of, right? Why would somebody run? that? But that's what patient endurance looks like. It's just you keep going one more lap. Not by your own strength, not by your own power, but by, but by God's strength. It says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. That Greek word for race is agon, like it's in agony. So if you think it's painful to run, it's biblical. Like it's biblical. He's saying, run the race. It is painful to run this race. But you know what else is painful? Staying the same. You know what else is painful? Regret. You know what else is painful? Quitting. There is a pain and a suffering that goes along with ringing the bell. It is, it is painful to run the race, but it is also painful to live with regret. And, and God calls us to a life in him, not by our own strength, not by our own power, but by his grace and by his strength. And when we stumble, we can get back up and continue the race. And if you've rung the bell, if you've quit, you need to know there is grace for you. God invites us, get back up. Let's run together. Run the race together. We don't run alone. We run together. And the Christian life is not a sprint. It's an endurance race. It's giving yourself to God. It's committing yourself to other people, to a small group of people. It's pushing through the pain and the sweat and the sacrifice and the suffering. It's throwing off the sin that so easily entangles us up. It's resisting the temptation that takes us out. It's fleeing from the things that trip us up. It's loving our enemies. It's forgiving those who have hurt us. It's not letting the pain of our past define us. It's found in sharing our faith and meeting God in his word and laboring in prayer and being generous with our resources, and taking risks together, and moving forward in faith. Not so that God would love us more, but as a response to his love for us. And in Awaken, when we invite you to fast and pray, we don't fast so that God would love us more. There's nothing, beloved, there's nothing that you could do that would make God love you anymore. And there's nothing you could do that would make him love you any less. But we fast and pray to help us fix our eyes on Jesus and that we would be disciplined. That's why I call it a spiritual discipline, that we would train together. And what fasting and prayer does is it trains our hearts, our minds, and our lives in patient endurance. God, God develops patient endurance in us through fasting and through prayer. And so the question is, how do, we, how do we have patient endurance when we experience problems and pain? Well, to help us think about this contextually, here's what I want to do. I want to tell a story to you um, to help us, help us think about this. And remember, in Jerusalem, the Christians there, these Jewish Christians who had left the faith that they had grown up with and begun to follow Jesus, who was the fulfillment of what they've grown up with, um, many of them were experiencing persecution. So imagine with me that you own a business 
in Jerusalem in the first century, and you make sandals. You make great sandals. I mean, business is thriving. Business is going, going really well. A lot of people are buying your sandals. Word on the street is you've got the best sandals in town. And, and so because of that, like, things are going good. And then um, you begin to hear about Yeshua. You begin to hear about Jesus, about the Messiah, and curiosity stirs up. And you've grown up in Judaism. You've studied the Torah. You've worshiped at the temple. You've worshiped at the synagogue. Um, it's, a, it's a way of life. You've observed the festivals. But then you begin to hear about Yeshua, and, and curiosity stirs up. And so you begin to ask questions. In fact, you have a neighbor across the street who is a follower of Jesus. And you've seen such a change in their life and their peace and their joy and just the freedom that they have. And you want to know more. And so you start asking questions, and they invite you to, to come to a gathering a gathering that's in a home, a group of people who are gathered together. And as you get around them, you've never seen such a multicultural, multi-ethnic, um, that just crosses education lines and socioeconomic lines and this, with the way this group loves one another and sacrifices for one another and is, is there for one another. You've never seen anything like it. But then as you begin to hear more about how Jesus is the fulfillment of all the promises and all the prophecies and all the things you've heard about growing up, you're like, man, and it begins to make sense to your heart and to your mind. And, and after asking more questions, you begin to say, it's, it's time. Like, it's time to put your faith and your trust, to be a disciple, to, to follow Jesus, to make him your, your savior of your life and your leader in life. And so you commit your life to Christ. And your family commits their lives to Christ. And you're baptized together as followers of Jesus. And it begins to get out. Word begins to spread that now you're a follower of Jesus. And you begin to notice that people look at you a little bit different when you're around town. And then you start to hear stories about how your kids are bullied at school. And then you begin to notice that people aren't coming to the shop like they used to. People aren't buying, and your leather supplier um, doubled their rates. And there's an economic impact to following Jesus. There's a social impact too, because like gatherings and friends who used to invite you to the thing don't invite you to the thing anymore. And family that used to invite you to gatherings, well, they don't invite you anymore. And so there's an economic impact and a social impact to following Jesus. There's a pain associated with that. And that's why the writer, the author of Hebrews is saying, don't ring the bell. Jesus is back. Don't go back to your way. And as we tell that story, some of you can really resonate because you've left the faith of your parents. You've left the faith of your family to follow Jesus. Or maybe there was no faith in family growing up and you've begun to follow Jesus and you know the relational cost of that. For others, Maybe you were deeply entrenched in the world and in, in, in a scene that is not congruent with your new life in Christ. And so you've had to leave some things behind and you know the pain that's associated with that, the cost that's associated with that. And growth equals change and change equals loss and loss equals pain. So inevitably growth equals pain. There's no getting away from pain in this world. Either we'll know the pain of following Jesus with the grace that he gives us for that, or we will live with the pain of regret. Either we'll know the pain of running our race, or we'll know the pain of wasting our lives in comfort and focused on self. And Jesus invites us to a better life. 
where there's pain attached, but he is worthy and he is worth it. And the author of Hebrews, he gives, this is how, this is how we run our race. How do we endure the pain and the suffering? How do we endure the pain and suffering in life, in this world? And he gives us, I want to give us two practical applications from the passage that we've, that we've read, two practical applications, and I'm going to give you one bonus just to add on because there's ice outside. All right, so the first one is study Christ. If you're taking notes, study Christ, the first one. Hebrews 12, 2 says this, says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. To fix your eyes on something means to study intently, to focus, to study intently, to look at exclusively at something and study it intently the same way that NFL teams study game film, the same way that the University of Michigan studies signs of the opposing team, in the same way, too soon, no, in the same way, in the same way that, that NFL teams that they study game film, he's saying study Christ, like, that we go to the film room of the Gospels, <laughs> And we study Jesus, and we, we look at his life, look intently at his life. We see the way that he faced problems and the way that he faced pain. Listen, and the way he persevered. Hebrews 4.15 says this, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Listen, there is not a problem that you or I will face in life that he hasn't already overcome. There isn't a problem that we'll face that he can't sympathize and empathize with us in our weakness. Fully God and fully man. He, he did not live his life bubble wrapped <laughs> in comfort in an ivory tower. He came and, and suffered with us. He came and suffered for us. He came and suffered alongside us. Jesus suffered. He was known as a man of sorrows. He was born in a manger. He, fled, he had to flee. He and his family had to leave and he grew up as a refugee in Egypt, came back to his hometown, and he was rejected by his hometown. He knew rejection. It's likely that he had to bury his father, take care of his mom, work in obscurity for 30 years. He, he experienced rejection, even his family at one time. Thought he was crazy. So he knew what it was like to experience rejection. He knew what it was like to have friends, his closest friends, one of his closest friends denied that they even knew him. Another betrayed him. Nearly everybody except for one deserted him in his hour when he needed them the most. Like Jesus, knew, he knew suffering. He knew what it was like to be ridiculed, falsely spoke of, to be falsely tried on trumped up charges, in the kangaroo court, to be mocked. He endured the cross, scorning its shame, for the joy set before him. You know what the joy set before him was? Why don't you take a deep inhale of this truth? You. You were the joy set before him. Like you were why he went to the cross. You were the joy. It was fulfilling the Father's plan all along. It was to glorify God. That's why Jesus ran his race. That's the joy that was set before him. It was you, it was me, it was us. That Jesus did that for us. And so we, we fix our eyes on him and we draw strength and we draw courage 
We know, and when we run our race, we run it for the Father's glory, and we run it for the one who ran it for us. We run for him. So fix your eyes on Jesus. We study him. We study Christ. And secondly, consider him. Consider him. Consider him who endured such opposition for sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That word consider is an accounting term. It is a, it's a term. Um, it, it means to analyze. It means to ponder. It means to compare, like to, to reconcile, it means to compare this against this. And what he's saying is compare your suffering, compare your problems, compare what you're enduring to Jesus. Compare your complexity, compare your crisis, compare your betrayal, compare your rejection, compare those things to Christ. Now, normally we'd say, well, don't compare your cup of suffering with other people. But he's saying, compare with Jesus. And as we compare with Jesus, we see how Jesus endured his pain. And we know that he is the author and the perfecter and the one who ran that race perfectly. He wants to run in you. (laughs) He wants to live his life in you. He wants to give you the strength for what you are. So we compare to Jesus and we say, Jesus, what we've gone through and what you've gone through, Lord, give us strength to run the race that you've called us to. Have you ever sat with a friend and heard their story? And when you hear their story, you realize, I thought I was the only one. Like, and you draw strength from them because they've gone through what you've gone through. Same, pull up next to Jesus. And see what he's gone through on your behalf, on my behalf, for us. And we draw patient endurance from that. He is our high priest and our healer who sympathizes with us. And there is a healing that comes from knowing that he sympathizes and he empathizes with us. He said, consider him. And something happens when we study him. Something happens when we consider him. And what happens is instead of growing weary and losing heart, we grow heart and lose weary. Come on, that'll preach. Even in your living room, you can say amen. I mean, that, that, that is the truth that we grow heart and we lose weary when we consider him. And then the third, and this is bonus, is remember why you run. Remember why you run. They asked Chad Wright, why do you run? And he said, I don't really know. I've never really understood myself, except I believe that a hard trial is coming. And the Lord equips us by a way of long suffering a process consuming the prime of life. And when God's work is fully complete, the man or woman serves their purpose and departs from this life to reign with their king. I run that God would finish his work in me. I praise the Lord as long as he gives me breath. That's a good reason to run. Remember why you run. And Jesus knew that we would get worried. And Jesus knew that we'd be consumed with the things of this world, and it's why he gave us a meal. He said, remember me. He gave us a meal that we would remember why we run together. When he sat with those disciples in that upper room and he said, I'm telling you these things so that you would know in this world you will have trouble. Take heart, I've overcome the world. Giving you peace. What happened before that? Well, before that, he gathered with his closest friends and they shared a meal together. And I wanna invite you to get the elements in your, in your hands. 
you received when you, when you came in. Because there's something that happens when we partake in this meal. It's a gift God has given to us to help us, to help us fix our eyes on him and help us consider him. And this is for those of us who are followers of Jesus. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, now can be your moment. You can begin to follow him. If you are just curious, you just let this moment pass. But if you want to begin following Jesus, this can be the, can be the first thing that you do as a follower of Jesus. And I'll walk you through these moments together. Go ahead and open up. Cup and get the bread in your hands. Holy Spirit, we invite you to search our hearts. We don't want to partake in this in an unworthy manner. It would be unworthy to think that we've earned this. It would be unworthy to think that it's by our own effort. be unworthy to hold on to to sin. The things that hold us back. Even now, Holy Spirit, would you reveal anything we need to confess, to surrender, to lay down? Jesus took the bread and after blessing it, he broke it and he gave it to the disciples. He said, take, eat, this is my body. Let's partake together, remembering him. Now we open up the cup. And we consider him. His blood poured out for us. So without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. New covenant is a once and for all covenant, once and for all promise. After he gave it to them, he said, drink of it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. So Jesus, we do this in remembrance of you. So keep doing this until we're together in the Father's kingdom. And there's hope in that because one day we will be with him and Revelation tells us there will be no more pain. There will be no more sorrow. That he will wipe tear from every eye. And that one day we will be with him and things will be as they should be. He's with us even now. And so I want to leave you with a prayer and a song. And this is a song that the team has written that is written out of these verses, these three verses that we've been looking at over the last, last few weeks together. This is an anthem song for, I like to listen to music when I run. This is an anthem song. As we run the race that God has called us to, to sing over to you for you just to receive, for us to fix our eyes on him, and a call for us to consider him and draw patient endurance today. So let me pray with you. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for how you have given endurance today. How we pray that even now you would fill our hearts with strength, with grace, 
peace, purpose, and Jesus, that we would fix our eyes on you and run after you, that the world would know how good you are. So give us patient endurance today for your glory. In Jesus' name.
change, please. 